Welcome to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, where we will talk about the latest in financial literacy education. I'm Garth Sharif, a small business owner and financial literacy volunteer for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. CPA Canada provides no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This episode is part of our podcast focusing on helping Ontario small businesses get through the pandemic. Our guests will help us navigate through this new world, as well as provide insight on what the future may look like, including support and resources for small business owners. CPA Canada sponsor for this Ontario Small Business Series is the Government of Ontario. Their support helps make this event possible. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Today, we are excited to be joined by Rebecca Shields, CEO and transformational impact leader of the Canadian Mental Health Association for York Region and South Simcoe. With over 20 years in senior leadership positions, Rebecca considers herself fortunate to be enjoying a prolific career in the social profit sector. Rebecca is here today to talk with us about the stigma around mental health, specifically in the small business community early warning signs to look out for, as well as the importance of having effective strategies and coping skills to manage wellness. Rebecca, thanks so much for speaking with me today on a topic that has impacted so many, especially during a time like this. Hi, Garth. It's a pleasure to be here and to speak to so many small business owners and chartered accountants. You guys are the lifeblood of our financial community, and it's so important that we have these discussions, so thanks for hosting me. Thank you, Rebecca. And in reading your bio, it just it's interesting to look at your career path. And my first question for you is, how did your career path lead you to your role as the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association for York and South Simcoe? Well, like most people, I was on a road to do something completely different. I was at the University of British Columbia. I was doing my master's in biochemistry, and I was a total science geek. And I had this friend, and I came up in a family of volunteers. My dad has been a lion. He's been out handing out blankets ever since I can ever remember in coats. My mother was constantly volunteering for the MS Society, Heart and Stroke. So I really came up with that value of community. And so there I was, I was gonna pursue a path in science. And then I had this friend named David who said, I got this job at the fundraiser. Now this is back in the nineties. And I said, fundraiser? You mean I could get paid for what I do volunteering this whole time? And I thought, that's what I wanna do. Because I had always volunteered. I had always been part of every committee, every fundraiser. And I got my first job, ended up being the, the Director of Development and Communications for the Greater Vancouver Food Bank Society. And it is there that I really began to understand the value of a life of purpose. 
and being really engaged in what you love. And there were so many stories. And I'll tell one quick story to say that, you know, from there, it just broadened as I went from path to path, whether I was working with the Dr. Peter Center, which was HIV and AIDS, to some work with the Deafblind Services Society, which are individuals that were dual sensory impaired and through community living, and then off into the executive director role at the Canadian Mental Health Association in Vancouver, Burnaby, before I came over into Ontario, which is where I am originally from, and back to raise my kids near my parents so that they could get connected to their grandparents. But a little story that kind of tells you why I do what I do. When you work at the food bank, you have the pleasure, and I was the fundraiser, so I was bringing in money, I was bringing in food donations, and you can imagine it was Christmas time, and it's our biggest fundraising time of the year. But part of our role was always to be at the depots and hand out the food to people, make sure that those operations were well, and get connected to sort of why you're asking for money. And in Vancouver's very famous downtown east side, we had a depot at the time, and there was this woman who came every week that we were there and who was very much street involved. So a woman who had a very hard life, riddled with addiction, working in the sex trade industry, just a very, very hard life. But she was one of those people that was always so friendly and I never missed a chance to talk to her and have a smile. And she always had a smile for everybody. And I was young, you know, this is in my, my late twenties and kind of ignorant, I guess, at the time. And there it was at Christmas time. Now I'm back at the warehouse and she walked into the offices with two cans of Anthemil, which is a baby formula. And I said, what are you doing here? You don't have any money. Why are you giving with this Anthemil? And she said, Rebecca, if I hadn't had this when I had my baby and the food bank wasn't there for me, I don't know what I would have done. And I never want another mother to experience that. And... I learned a big lesson that day about the power that we all have to make the road a little less hard for the person coming behind us and the dignity that we all have in giving. And that's really the story that kept me and has always kept me in this field, which is how can we all connect to the things that we understand and believe in and make the road a little less harder for the people coming behind. So that's why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about mental health, mental illness, because it really affects us all. I mean, you hear the stats of one in five, but what we know today with COVID is in 2018, almost 70% of Canadians said that they were in good mental health. Last year, the beginning of the pandemic, when it started, we kind of said we were 54%. Now we're down to 48% of us, less than half of us feel like we have good mental health. Now is the time for me to, and all of us to step up and make the road a little less harder because we're all in this together. Rebecca, what an inspiring story, and um, you've given your career to helping others and showing empathy and showing that we all want to help each other. That story that you shared just shows that everybody wants to help each other, and this is a time that we need to support each other. And you mentioned 48%. That's low, and this is why we're, we're talking about this right now. It's, it's a stressful time. And one of the things I struggle with in terms of just trying to understand terminology, and I was wondering if you can help me with this, is sometimes we'll hear the terms mental illness, mental wellness, and stress sort of all together. I was just wondering if you can help us sort of understand what these terms mean. That's a great question, because there are such a range of mental illnesses, and sometimes we can think about those really serious and persistent mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and psychosis and And those things, you know, there's a lot of genetic links to those. 
But there's also some genetic links to things like depression and anxiety and other forms of mental illness. But the best way I've ever understood mental health is even if you have a diagnosis, you can also be in good mental health. Just because you may have a diagnosis of schizophrenia, you may not necessarily be mentally unhealthy, just like you can have diabetes and be incredibly healthy. You can have cancer and also be in a state of good health if it's managed. So some things are more chronic and some things, it really depends on where you are on that spectrum of illness. But the best way that I've always understood it is we all have a mental health jar. So just think of a mason jar. And some of us are gonna have some balls in the jar. So if you have a genetic link, you're gonna have a ball in that jar. And if you've gone through trauma, if you've been a first responder, if you've been in a major, so that'll put a ball in your jar because that's a real stress reaction on the brain because we can, we'll talk about the brain and a little bit about brain biology, but that puts a ball in. But let's say you're in a stressful workplace and every day a little tiny drop, a ball gets put into that jar. At some point that jar fits everything to, it starts overflowing and you go from a place of coping to a place of not coping. And so we all manage, we all go through stress. We all go through times, but sometimes we get to a state where we no longer are able to cope. And this person who said it best to me was Rebecca, there was one day I was going to work every day. I was taking care and all of a sudden I just couldn't get out of bed. I could just, I don't know why, why one day I could do this. And the next day I, I can't even understand what's going on in my brain. How do I explain this to other people? And why I think it's so important. And I'm so grateful for every listener here today is how do we have this conversation so that by the time you figured out you needed help, you probably needed help a month ago or three weeks ago. So how do we talk about this? So you kind of go, oh, you know what? Maybe I can do something today so that I can protect my mental wellness because I know how that how important that is. That imagery is great. Right now, I, I drew on my notes a mason jar and I'm just, I've already put some balls in there. You know, as a small business owner myself, and I can kind of speak to the community, we do focus on our business a lot. That takes up a lot of our time because sometimes it's just us, or if we go down, the business goes down. So there's just real focus on making sure the health of the business is continuing, and especially in these times. And that means sometimes we neglect our own mason jar. We don't see those balls piling up. And I'm just wondering, like, how do we do this as small business owners that sometimes do get caught up in our own business. How do we check in and you know, really examine this mason jar to see where it's at? Yeah, that is fantastic because what we need to talk about for the rest of this conversation is how do we take those balls out? How do we manage? But let's talk a little bit about so that we all understand what's really going on. I've always found it really helpful to understand what the difference is around mental health and illness and what that is. And we have a stigma. The stigma in our society is that if you're struggling, you're somehow weak. And it's so false and it's so damaging because it's almost as another layer of stress. So let's talk about stress. Stress is very much your fight, flight, or freeze reaction that we get. And all of us may have been in a situation where we almost had a car accident or something happened and you know you feel your you know the cortisol comes up the adrenaline comes up and everything goes slow and we're built as humans to have that reaction to save us it's biological deep in our in our bodies and it protects us and so we'll all remember okay we're out of the accident and we almost think it takes a while 
to come down from that. We almost feel it coming out of our body. Well, here we are today in a pandemic and we've got a stress reaction. So we are constantly under this state of stress. So this cortisol and the hormones are coming in and we're constantly up there and we're not having the time to decompress. So what are we doing? We're trying to cope. So how are we coping? There's good ways that we can cope and there's ways that aren't so good if they're not done well. So for example, we know a lot more people are using substances to cope, right? Like drinking rates have gone up close to 20%. Cannabis use is up 8%. Tobacco, people are spending more time on their screens because they're trying to decompress because they're not getting, you know, social distancing means that we're not getting out. Maybe we're not going to the gym anymore in those ways that we can decompress. It's starting to get colder and darker. So maybe you're not even walking anymore when we first started the pandemic. We're not having that laughter with our friends. Laughter is medicine, right? It shocks our body. It helps us decompress. So all of those things were alone, the social isolation of loneliness, all of these things are keeping us in a state of stress. And we all know that we're in a state of stress. What happens to our bodies? Well, I've talked about maybe using substances, but maybe we're eating too much. Maybe we're not sleeping as well, right? That's a big one for people. You're waking up in the middle of the night and you're not sleeping, so you're not getting good sleep. Or you're finding yourself really tired and other people kind of sleep too much, right? You're you're oversleeping. The other thing that happens, I know I'm a mom. All of a sudden, I'm yelling at my kids. Like, I'm irritable. That's a big one for me. I'm like, why am I so impatient? And I'm losing my temper or I just collapsing at the end of the day. So I start to notice these signs for myself where my body, I, I'm sore, my jaw gets sore, I'm getting more headaches. And so as we start to listen to our body, we can see the impacts of stress. And that's my big message to your listeners is that your brain is completely connected to your body. And so it comes out in the form of often pain, fatigue, all of these things. And so that's why when you start to be in that state of stress and worry that many of us are facing and we're not having that chance to decompress and we're not taking those, we're not taking care, all of a sudden you move from that state of I'm coping into overwhelm, not coping. And mental illness is no different than any other body illness. So it's like a cold, you take that cold and you're coughing, coughing, coughing. And next thing you know, you haven't taken care of it because you can't stop. And next thing you know, you've got bronchitis and then you've got pneumonia or you've got diabetes and, and you're not eating right and you're not taking care of that. Next thing you know, you're in an insulin attack. So mental illness is the same thing. If you're not managing or having these good behaviors to help manage it, all of a sudden you move in from where you're coping and you're able to kind of keep going to all of a sudden now you're not, or you're noticing your kids are not, or your parents are not, or your coat, like, let's talk about the staff. Your staff aren't like, what's happening? Like, this guy is making mistakes. It seems like he's just checking out. Or the woman that you're working with, all of a sudden, she's really emotional. And she's taking a lot of time off. And doesn't she know things are important because you're irritable. And all of a sudden, the social cohesion is starting to break down. So these are the signs that we you know we need to stop and talk. This is really great because I'm as you're talking, I'm thinking about the things that come up for me, manifest for me, and, and some of them are the same as you, I think, lack of sleep and irritability. And sometimes I'm probably not listing them all because we don't want to always check in to figure out what that list is. 
And as you say, it can come later on, maybe too late. And I, I wanted to come back to this. I mean, I, I think about myself, and we talked about the stigma, maybe in, in every community, but we'll talk about the small, medium business community that's definitely there like this. You got to be strong for your business. You got to show your employees. You don't want to talk about it or show it. And even when the signs are there, right? And the, I guess the, the challenge for me and maybe other listeners is how do we do this? How do we make sure that we say to ourselves, you know what, I haven't been sleeping very well. And that's something I have to think about right now before it gets worse, or I haven't been eating well, or I've been using, you know, I've been drinking a little bit too much. What can we do to maybe just take us out of that place so we can focus on ourselves? So our clinical director, Dr. Deanne Sims, she has a phrase and I use it all the time. So I'm going to credit her. She says, controlling the controllable and doing the doable. So that doesn't mean boiling the ocean, but it means I always say when things are out of alignment and you know it, right? You know, you're stressed. You're, we've talked about the signs. Where do you start? I always say, number one, sleep. Promise yourself seven, eight hours, because if you can regulate your sleep, when sleep goes off, it has such a rapid trickle effect. For those of us with children, we know we've got to get them to bed at a reasonable time, because if they don't sleep, it goes off. There's a way that you can push through for a while, but really, are you sleeping? Number two, how can you control your eating? Making sure that you're having a balanced diet is really important. You start with really like, can you do your physical budgets? You know, when we work with, and this is in the past, forget coronavirus, when we work with really high intense positions like surgeons who are going, going in a busy emergency department, we would say to them, or they'd be running from one thing to the next, they're so busy. We sit them down and say, you have to take three minutes and eat a sandwich. Have you eaten? It was amazing. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, I was so busy. I just neglect these minutes. And so we were like, okay, you got to eat a sandwich. So teaching them, take a break, have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever it is in order to not in that cycle of go, 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 go. So sleeping, make sure you're taking those breaks to eat, even if it's a sandwich, a healthy choice, right? So you're not at the end of the day piling a bag of chips or you haven't eaten since the morning. So I always say you start with the physical because when our mind and our body are connected, it's sometimes easier to start there. We talk a lot about physical exercise. I know for some people it's really easy and for some people it seems daunting. So have you considered, can you park an extra block away from where you work? They're little things. And I use a, a little tool called the five minute journal that you can Google online and talks about starting your day off in gratitude and thinking about three things um, for your day that, that are helpful. And it has you come back at the end of the day, but building those good habits in of breaks, making sure that you are taking breaks and connecting with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and having those conversations, especially in social isolation. Acknowledge that that moment of laughter actually is incredibly helpful for you. And if you find you're not laughing as much, then it's a really good idea to go and rent the funniest movie you know and laugh. And I'm not kidding. Like, go and just because, and when you laugh with a friend and we're smiling at each other, it just, everybody feels better. So taking time love. So those are some of the things that you can control. And so it's the same thing. If you see your staff and you think, gosh, that woman, she's been working late every night. Maybe it's time to say, hey, you know what? Tonight, better go home early and make sure you buy that, that person a sandwich. Try to think and model that stuff. So that really, really important that we're thinking about this. And then when it comes to the drinking and the substance abuse, 
it's really important to recognize that, really understand that that is a coping mechanism. And it is one of those behaviors that is really cumulative. Like you can get really down on yourself. Oh God, I drank too much again last night. And then you're kind of down and then you start doing it again. And so really important that when that, those things happen and you start to realize that you're just not able to make those shifts yourself, that's when I'm telling listeners right now, I'm urging you, when you got to connect into resources. And I'm going to make sure that there's some free resources hosted for you guys at the end of this that are available across Canada. But there are, and I know the government uh, websites have them for folks that are, that are in Ontario and BC. There's the Bounce Back Program. It's Cognitive Behavior Therapy. It's free, and you can Google it. But your Canadian Mental Health Association and other community providers, your doctor is there. And we honestly, at primary care offices, I hear between 40 to 60% of every visit is dealing with mental health. And so they're there and they're ready for you and they deal with this day in and day out. That's when you have to say, hey, look, I'm not really able to shake this quite on my own. Step in because it's like an illness and you can go from that early recovery, catch it early, catch that code early, drink your chicken soup, take your rest, get better. So all of a sudden you've got full-blown bronchitis and you don't need that because that's when your business is really going to be at risk. So you might need to intervene a little bit earlier, get some support. There's lots of virtual and online and lots of free counseling services now because of COVID that are out there. So take use of them, figure out a plan for yourself, get the support you need so that you you don't go into a much, much uh, deeper illness. Really great advice, Rebecca. And I, and I wrote down the three that you mentioned. Like, you know, and sometimes we see these as basic, but they're so critical, like sleep, your eating, your physical exercise. And I, I can speak to myself. I am uh, prone to stress. My entire family is, is a stressed family, I'd say. And you mentioned CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, maybe doing something as a routine structure to try to help. And it's funny enough, because of the, the pandemic, we're at home and I've never thought of myself of watching videos, these five minute, 10 minute yoga videos, which I just started to do. I never, ever thought I would do that in my home. I said to myself, if I'm ever going to do fitness, it has to be at a gym and I have to go to a physical gym, but I can't, right? And so I started to do these and now I can really feel those five or 10 minutes that I do it to start my day really make a, a difference. I can feel myself checking in. So I, I just wanted to say those things are, are important. If you can find yourself a, a way to get into something that's a routine around those. And I just want to ask you, I wrote this five minute journal down. I just want to explore what that was. What is the, the five minute journal? Oh, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. A, a friend of mine is a, a psychologist gave it to me because um, everybody's lives, including mine as a CEO, we all undergo stress. And she said, Rebecca, you need this. And what it does is grounded actually in science and behavior. And so it is, we know that if you ground your day in gratitude and appreciating what you have, it actually makes such a huge difference. So you start off your day and honestly, you write a few things. It takes maybe two, three minutes in the morning and two minutes at night. And you just write down three things every day that you're grateful for. And just like, it can be little things, you know, I've written everything from, I'm grateful that I'm enjoying this really nice cup of coffee to I'm grateful that my children are still healthy. Like it doesn't have to be big, but you just ground your day in that. And then you kind of challenge you, what would make today great? You write three things that like, oh, and today I wrote, I can tell you what I wrote. I was like, I'm gonna make sure that I go on a walk today because I know just being in nature 
brings me up and I haven't been walking enough since I've now been working from home. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to carve pumpkins tonight with my kids and that'll be really fun. And I am going to watch my favorite program. So I just wrote three things that would make my day great. And then you write an aspiration for yourself. So some people, it might be, look, I want to lose weight. Some people might be, I want to rock my business. Other people might be, I want to have more ease in my life. So whatever that aspiration is, and that's it. And then at night, right before I go to bed, you write down three things that uh, went well in the day, which could be totally different. I'm going to say this CPA podcast and, and talking to people about mental health is one of the great things that I've been able to do today. And I might, you know, hopefully the pump carbon goes well, you write three things and then you think, what is one thing that I could have done that might have made things a little bit better? So let's stay away from that Halloween candy or some such thing might be for me. That is where you start to build habits. That's where you build gratitude. You build those habits. So those five-minute yoga, the walk in the woods, taking time to read a book with my kids, checking in on my mom who is alone. So all of those things that we can do, checking in with your friends, you just, it's kind of being intentional. And being intentional when everything feels out of your control, that's where you start to control, you know, how do you control the controllable? You act with intention and you ground yourself in that. That's where things begin. And even when you're on a mental wellness journey, that's where we start. We start with those basic things. How am I taking care of my wellness? How do I appreciate what I have and my own strengths rather than see myself from a deficit position? And, and so that's where tools and resources, and we all need therapy at times. And therapy and medicine can be complementary. Sometimes you just need one or the other. But whatever support we need, those are the tools that help us with intention move into wellness. And it's so important understanding that you know more than half of us right now because of COVID are under stress. Not your fault. Pandemic, not your fault. We're living it every day. We're worried every day. So we need to be aware of that and be okay with acknowledging that this is creating that cortisol, that stress response that's impacting our bodies. This is, it's live for all of us. And so there's no weakness here. This is about, we have to adjust some of the other things to keep us well because a pandemic is our reality. And this existed for small business owners. This kind of entrepreneurial stress, high stress positions. We talk about this a lot. I know there's some great resources out of CAMH or the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in, in Toronto, but they're available for across Canada. They have great resources for small business owners as well about understanding and managing. Small business owners are under a tremendous amount of pressure and they can face real loneliness and feeling alone in that, which creates a whole other level of stress because loneliness is a state of being. And we should talk a little bit about that, Garth, when we have a second, because Loneliness and social isolation, although linked, are very different. And those small business owners can face tremendous loneliness. We need to understand that that also needs to be resolved. And how do we connect around that? So can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to make a note here because I'm, I'm going to put my first thing in, in my five-minute journal, which is speaking to you <laughs> and learning a lot. And because part of this is just to have the conversation. Like for the listeners out there, we're having an open conversation about things that we don't always talk about. We don't talk about our feelings, the, the things that we're going through. And yeah, I would like to explore this, the isolation, because it's interesting from a small business owner perspective. We have, we have employees, have our family, but we can also feel alone. 
with this and 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 you you got into this so i wanted you to to talk further about this the social isolation i want to talk about loneliness because it existed before covid but i think what covid did is it catalyzed a conversation around this so we need to understand that loneliness is so much like hunger and thirst human beings our biology we develop we are hardwired for belonging the survival of our species from the dawn of time only works when we work together in a communal collective experience so we need belonging to survive and so just like thirst if we don't have water and we get thirsty our body degenerates hunger if we don't eat on a regular basis we start to get malnourished if we don't have connection that perceived form of connection we actually break down loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day that's the research not only that especially for our seniors Seniors who are lonely or chronically lonely are more likely to end up in hospital and stay in hospital. So number one reason, and the Alberta Health Authority has the data that's proved that it's been replicated across other provinces in Canada. And so loneliness is really a perceived state. You can be socially isolated, not necessarily feel lonely, but for people who do feel lonely, and especially business owners, CEOs, you know, those people that really feel alone, it is tremendously impactful on your on your mental health and your wellness and we know that people that are chronically lonely they're much more at risk of suicide they're much more at risk of uh, entering a major depressive disorder and other issues so we talk about loneliness and covid and social isolation for people that were already experiencing disconnection has really increased that because it's much harder to reach out and it's much harder so when we talk about business owners now in COVID, they're feeling very alone in this. They're worried, they're worried about their families, they're feeling like they have to be tough. That's yet another risk, which is why I want to bring it up. It's a risk factor when we feel lonely. And how do we connect in loneliness? People always say this to me, how do you connect? Well, the thing about loneliness is almost its own worst enemy because almost the more alone you are, the less likely you are to want to reach out. You're like, oh, I know I should call that person, but really, I just don't have any inner energy in me to to do another Zoom meeting. And you can often feel like, well, they, they probably don't want to hear from me anyways because I'm not really happy these days, so what do I have to say? So there's a sense of it perpetuates its own myth. The best answer to loneliness, and I'm deeply interested in this issue, is actually helping somebody else. So the best thing that you can do if you're lonely is find somebody that needs some help. Maybe it's an employee, Maybe it's a, a charitable cause. Maybe it's a senior on your street that needs some groceries done or you're going to help break the leaves. But the more you can do to help somebody else, the better you're going to do. Because it's often when we're lonely, it's very hard to be vulnerable and ask for help ourselves. It's much easier to go and help somebody else. So do one nice thing for somebody else. If you're in that line at Tim Hortons or whatever and you pay for a person behind you, that little act of kindness, that actually is going to add up to you. If you're really feeling like you're all alone, think about that. Think about the gratitude, but think about what can you do to help somebody else and, and maybe volunteer and get it. It's not as one more thing, but what can you control? What, what This is doing the doable part. What's doable in that? Yeah, and it, you know, it reminds me. It reminds me of that story that you began the program with, with the woman who came in with the milk, saying she was giving to others. That's great. I mean, part of this is that uh, it gives you incentive to help others because it can help yourself. Uh, hopefully, the act of helping others is its own reward. But knowing that it can help loneliness and that feeling that small business owners do go through, and especially I, I was thinking about this as well. 
with small business owners, getting sick, the risk of getting COVID is not just the illness, which is scary, and, and the health concerns, but also there's so much that the owner manager does, the small business owner does, that if they are not able to work, they feel like the business might collapse or there's all kinds of things. They have responsibilities to other individuals and that can feel like a lonely feeling, like I have to keep going, I have to. And just the risk of getting this is, is difficult. So I really thought that was great advice, the little things you could do to help others, to help that feeling. And I wanted to talk to you about this as well because small business owners do have other people in their lives, their employees, their families. I have uh, my two kids, my wife and uh, my father who has dementia, unfortunately. It's a difficult time with older generation like my parents. And how do we manage the people around us if we see signs of stress or mental illness or, or needing help with mental health with them? How do we manage that as, as small business owners? What we've talked about today is, you know, we've talked about the power of connection, how important that is for our wellness, right? We need that biological. We talked about our biological needs, about taking care of ourselves, healthy eating and sleep, all that kind of stuff. So we're, right now we've talked a little bit about how do we take care of ourselves in this? How do we connect other people in this? And then thinking about now you're seeing maybe stress in your kids, maybe you're seeing stress in with your employees. So you asked me when you started off this conversation, let's talk about stigma and that whole idea that if I'm struggling, I'm somehow weak. People are going to think that my employees might be like, wow, if, if the boss isn't keeping up, how are the rest of us supposed to, you know, you need to be the rock. And this idea that you can't have conversations about stress and its impact. And so I always think it's important to have honest conversations about, hey, this is a really stressful time for our business. What can we all do? What are some things that we can all do together that is going to help each other? Can we invite a conversation that isn't about, hey, kind of how is everybody feeling, but what can we do together and open up that conversation? We open it up with our family sometimes. We might sit down and say, look, this is really stressful. Is there something we can do this weekend together that will really help all of us? Can you take that time to connect in and just for those business owners that maybe have an open door with their employees and be able to say, I know this is really stressful. Tell me what's going on for you. I listened to this really great podcast and they've got some resources because half of us, half of us are struggling. So half your employees are struggling. So you know that, hey guys, here's some resources. I don't know which one of us is going to need them today, but maybe somebody needs it tomorrow. Maybe it's your friend. But here they are. I'm just going to post them. These are all the free ones offered by the government so that you can just say, hey, I know about this. I'm just sharing because I know that if an employee goes down, it's expensive, right? Look, I'm a CEO. I've got over 312 employees that work for me. When people are off sick, it impacts our service levels. It's expensive to replace people, to train them, to recruit them. So we really want to take care of our employees and have those conversations. So how do I recognize people that are starting to get tired and say, hey, I'm noticing this. How can we work together for this? What's going on for you? And by inviting that conversation, and it does take some vulnerability, and it does take having those resources at the ready saying, you know, I may not be the expert, but I know here's a place you can go. And I heard that maybe just go to your doctor because that's a great place. Because guess what? This is what they do. 60% of the time. So what? don't be afraid to talk to your doctor. And if you don't feel like talking to your doctor, 
why it called the Canadian Mental Health Association because they'll direct you. And we're all across Canada. So every listener can find a branch that will be there to help them. And that's what we're here to do is connect people to the resources that they need to support their mental health. That's great. I think just the insight that you're providing for small business owners to have that conversation or at least to have an environment where people can have that conversation, whether the employees can come to them or they can start the conversation or how you're doing. It's a simple question. How are you doing? I don't know that always gets asked because everyone's busy. And right now, with all the things that are happening and you know, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, you know, with what's happening with case levels and where our attention's at, that simple question, how are you doing and how can I support you? And I, I just love the fact that you've given us a, a number of resources because resources are important because sometimes we don't have the resources ourselves to help and we might just need to guide the person in the right direction. Really important. And again, for our community and for me, I'll speak to myself again. I've written down too many notes here, but I think for me, just to be open to the conversation and to have it, and especially with the family. I find this to be hard. I think it's easier, at least for me, to have a conversation with an employee and ask them how they're doing than sometimes my family. I don't know if that's uh, just me from a small business owner perspective, but would we have the same approach for our employees as we would with our families as small business owners to have this conversation? You know, that's a great question. And sometimes talking about mental health and how we're experiencing things can be really hard. And we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of vulnerability in having these conversations. And we've been taught for decades and decades our lot that, you know, vulnerability is somehow weakness rather than a strength to kind of come forward and say, I'm just not myself today. Right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not my best self. And I, I don't feel like I've been for a while or even if you're kind of pointing out to your kid or to your spouse or you just, you don't want to rock the boat. It's almost like we're so desperate for ease. So we have to acknowledge that we want this kind of like peace. We don't want to rock the boat and start a fight. Like, oh, you think I'm grumpy. You've been like off the hook. Like, you're just like, oh, I just don't need another fight. I just want to, you know, be on my phone. We're choosing kind of some temporary fixes that may not help us in the long run. So I always recommend when you have these conversations, first of all, if you're trying and it's not working, connect to some resources, okay, for some other people that can look at your specific family situation. But in general, one of the greatest things that you can do at a, at a workplace, when you take a moment to post the resources to say, hey, look, I found these. I know that all of us could use these at some point in our lives. I just want you guys to know that I support this stuff. That makes you a mental health champion. It's simple. You, you don't have to ask anybody. It's just there. And so when we talk to our families, we can have the same conversations. I found these resources for families, and I'm just going to leave them here. You, maybe your kids are older and they, they're teenagers and you're noticing stuff, and that you can have that conversation. And it's connection. And I always say, you know what, maybe you can ask for help. Maybe start off the conversations by saying, you know what, this COVID has been really impacting me, and I haven't been sleeping as well. How's everybody else doing? And just beginning to start with, you know, I'm not saying confess your soul, but start with some honest vulnerability to say, you know what, I recognize that this is happening to all of us. And, and I'm going to start with me and just share a little bit about th that this is a challenging time. I'm worried about my business. I'm worried about my neighbors. I'm worried about our sector. I'm worried about getting sick. I'm worried about my parents long term. Like, I just have all these worries and I just want to talk about them and, and release them. And we might even say, look, 
we've been going through this. Let's go for a walk in the woods and have a nice hot chocolate because we know walking in nature is so uplifting. So maybe you can say, look, I need this. Why don't you guys come with me and really help me? Because then you can give them that opportunity to help you. And remember how I talked about loneliness and connection? Sometimes we can invite people to help us. We actually build that bond. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. And again, it's do the doable. Don't try to do something that's out of scope for yourself. Take that one little act and then just see how it goes. Right. And then go back and, and be grateful for what you have and start the next day. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, do the doable. I, I really like that. That makes sense to me, right, in terms of what you can control. And, and that the part that you mentioned about vulnerability, and sometimes in our world, we don't want to show vulnerability and we want to sh- present ourselves in a certain way. And just to hopefully for those that are listening and listening to your insights, that people will have this conversation. They'll, maybe they'll start with themselves and they'll just start the conversation. And again, there's a lot of resources. You don't have to be the problem solver with this, but the, the conversation can be started. So much great insight and just so much to think about with this uh, conversation. I wanted to ask you a question we've been asking all of our, our guests on the program because it is a challenging time. And you've actually discussed this, but there might be other things you can add to this. It is a time that we might focus more on the negatives with our health or the businesses. And I've been asking this question for our guests. What would be one thing you might tell a small to medium business owner to help them stay positive during this challenging, stressful, difficult time? That is a great question. And how could I ever say one thing? My one thing to say to you, the small business owner, is don't beat yourself up. I love the quote by Maya Angelou. I I use it every day. Do the best you can, but don't beat yourself up because we're all doing the best we can. And recognize our employees, our kids, our parents, our friends, everybody right now, we all do the best we can. And if you live in that spirit of generosity around people and make the most generous assumption about them, it's much easier to have empathy and compassion for them and for yourself. And really like now is a time where we need to double down on that and just recognize that people are just irritable why because this is we've got our biology is kicking in this is humanity right this is a human global experience that we're all in together and really important to remember that as the second wave goes on you know we're not all locked down we're trying to live and manage this and it's really a challenge and so give yourself uh, kudos for doing the best thank you Perfect. What a great way to end our conversation. Do the best that you can. Don't beat yourself up, which, again, small medium business owners sometimes do. I've written down so many notes, and I just want to tell you what I'm going to take away from this. And there's more than just this, but these are things that that five-minute journal I thought was amazing. This is just for me. I'm thinking about how helping others can also help ourselves to combat loneliness. I thought that was really great advice because not only you're helping others, you're also dealing with that challenge of loneliness. And again, the vulnerability, just having the conversations and pointing people to the right resources. You've given us so many resources. We'll have resources available through this podcast. Thanks again, Rebecca. An important, critical conversation to be having. And we really appreciate your wisdom and expertise here. Thank you so much. And to everybody out there, take care and stay safe. Thank you, Rebecca, for your knowledge, insight, and guidance on a topic that hits close to home for many small business owners. To our listeners, you can click to resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. Please note 
The views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada. This is a recorded podcast. The information presented is as current as of the date of recording. New and changing government legislations and programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Thank you to the amazing producers of Mastering Money, Mike Massoud and Catherine Crawford, whose hard work and care behind the scenes makes this podcast possible. This has been another episode of Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accounts of Canada. Please rate and review us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. In these uncertain times, be well, be kind, be safe. We are on this journey together.